Cool. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us all here. Thank you for giving us um, a word today. I pray that as we study your word that we can learn and we can discuss, we can bounce ideas off each other and we can get something new from today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Um, who, saw, who saw the title of the study? I've not been awake that long, mate. Mad. Okay. Anyone? Yeah, changing God's mind. Changing God's mind. Cool. Um, mm. And today's story is going to be a bit of a shorter one, but there's going to be a bit more, um, it's going to be a little bit more theologically um, deep um, and hopefully therefore we'll have a bit more discussion. So see how we get through. So we're going to jump, uh, because uh, this is our last week of in Kings and Chronicles, uh, we're going to jump ahead a bit. So we jump into 2 Kings chapter 20. 2 Kings chapter 20, and we're going to start from verse um, 1 of chapter 20. But before we do, let's just get a little context. So, Israel at this point, right? So we've discussed already that, um, that there's, a, there's a Mary of Kings that come through both um, the kingdom, the new kingdom of Israel, which is the, the northern tribes, um, northern ten tribes, and then another flurry of kings that come through the line of David, which are kings of Judah, which is in Jerusalem. Sorry, Jerusalem is in Judah. Um, and there's about 20 kings, I believe, of each kingdom. Um, and we arrive in chapter 20 um, of kings with only one kingdom left standing. Now, why is only one kingdom left standing? Um, because the, the northern kingdom, the kingdom, um, the kingdom of Israel, had no good kings. 20 kings they had, all of them were bad. And so we kind of arrive at this point where the Assyrians, which is kind of um, the, the empire of the time, has taken over the northern kingdom already. So the northern kingdom has been taken over completely. And what has just happened is the Assyrians have just done dealing with Israel. They're now coming down to Judah and they want to do the same to Jerusalem. And we've, where we meet King Hezekiah and King Hezekiah is telling the people, don't worry, God is going to save us. And King Hezekiah is a good king. He, he cleaned up the place from idolatry as a few kings before we've had. Um, and King Hezekiah is, has done well. And now we come to this point in his kingship where now the Assyrian Empire, which has already dealt with the, the Northern Kingdom, has now come for Jerusalem. And he tells the people, don't worry, God is doing his thing. He's, got, he's gonna save us. So the Assyrians, there's a large army, nearly um, 200,000, I believe, um, of them, maybe just under that, 185,000 um, uh, in this army. And they are sieging the city, right? So they're just staying outside the city, not letting anyone come in or go in. And they're basically telling all the people, they're shouting, saying, look, no God has stopped me yet. So <laughs> surrender, because this isn't going to go well for you. Um, but eventually Hezekiah um, prays um, through the prophet Isaiah, 
God sends a message saying it's going to be okay. He sends a, um, an angel in the night and all of the Syrians are dead. So all of the Syrians are dead, Jerusalem safe. And this is where we pick up from the story, right? So we're picking up the story where Hezekiah has kind of just gone through, not a battle, but a situation where God has pulled him through. He is a good king, as we said, and, you know, Judah is now the only kingdom um, kingdom of God, if that makes sense, as Israel is now gone. Yeah? So, verse 20. Sorry, chapter 20, verse 1. We're going to go... Um, one verse by one verse, so you can just read um, one verse. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death, and the prophet Isaiah the son of Amos came to him and said unto him, Thus said the Lord, set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Cool, All right. What just happened? What a start to the chapter, man. Um, the guy's, you know, the guy's sick. He's in his, well, he's sick. And God comes, God comes to him and just says, sort out your business, you're going to die. What's, what's, what's peak about this, right, is it's not a doctor that's saying um, you're sick and you're going to die. I mean, mm. at least if a doctor says it, then you can pray to God and mm. say, well, God is the physician, you know, he can save me. No, no, no. God is the one who's telling you you're going to die. There's no doctor here. The prophet of God comes. <laughs> you're sick. You're, you're thinking about the prophet. He can come save me. God himself is saying you're going to die. All right? So it's not like there's any doctor. It's not like this is God himself. God sent his prophet. You're going to die. So where do you turn now? Because there's no... <laughs> do you know what, though? Because you know the what? doctor doesn't know what he's talking about. I think it's still very graceful, though. Because God could have just taken his life and not told him nothing. That's not to what I was that. about to say. Like, like God said, listen, I'm giving you... This is the last chance I'm giving you. Set yourself right. You know, like, I don't want to lose you, but you're going to die. Do you know what I mean? That's just, like... For me, that's mad mm. love still. You see what Imhotep is saying? It's kind of weird because I, get, I would get a mad sense of comfort if God came and told me this is when you're going because I know he has his plans and it might not be in my interest or what I think is best but he's come and he's bothered to tell me about this thing that is so insignificant to most humans or to most of us we don't ever get the chance to know anything about it so I would be bare happy to be honest yeah you guys both of you would be bare happy me I don't know you know I'm, let's put this. I mean, you'd be, you'd be disappointed. Around. No, but let's go around. Let's, let's, hey, let's death, death comes eventually. Maybe, maybe being close to it has made my view on it a little softer. But death is eventually coming for all and each every one owner. You get me? I mean, I, I'm not, mm. I'm not denying that at all. But looking at the circumstances, right? You, you're the king of Israel. Everything that you've done so far as king of Israel, obviously you're not perfect, but everything you've done has been to try and further God's um, mission in terms of you've taken out all the idols, you sorted out the temple, you've um, you've been there for the people. Um, when an army came to, to, to fight you, you put it in God's hands. God saved um, the, the city. Um, so it feels like God has at least done that for a reason. 
now you've got sick, right? So say um, you got, um, you got, there's a terminal illness that you have, you have cancer, you have something, and you're hoping that God is going to save you from this thing. And when the prophet comes, you're hoping in your heart, you know what, God is going to pull me through. He just saved me from the army. He can save me from this. These are the kind of prayers we would pray, right? And now we get we get to the prophet talking to him and he's like, yeah, actually, um, write your will because it's over. I would feel like, rah, that's it. Like, I would feel pretty bad. I don't know. Right? I agree. I'm like, what? So you, what, are you not going to heal me? You know what I mean? Like, surely you're going. You just sent an angel down to kill this whole army. You can't just, you can't just sort me out. Yeah, I guess, I guess there's that in it, but I don't know. Anyhow, I look at, I still think, wow, like, God's Maybe still, God's still saying to you, listen, like, I'm giving, like, you, like, it's kind of like, it's kind of like saying, like, all right, man, so it's the fourth quarter. You, you done a, you done a good job, like. But who says this is the fourth quarter? That's what I'm saying. He says, what if this is the what if this is the second quarter? Okay, yeah, what if not. the second quarter? Well, two um, okay. It's only the first verse, isn't it? It's only you know the first verse. In the first <laughs> verse, this is why I say it can't be. Because the army has already come and besieged the city and everything, yeah? At this point, that's not that's not first quarter play, mate. Not even second quarter play. However, on a personal level, I feel kind of detached, even as king and doing my job to look after the people. There is only so much that an individual is able to do, and God has to take over at some point. It's not always going to be through me. I hear that. Yeah, go ahead. That's exactly what I was saying. Like, he served his purpose. Like, Obviously, what was meant to be done through him is has been done through him. So I don't know. I don't know if I'd be happy about God coming and through a prophet and telling me, yeah, you're not going to heal me if I'm already dying. Personally, I'd just like to go out. Like, just take me. Yeah. But at the same time, like, he can't even say, if he's really the man of God that, is a claim to be he was putting everything in God's hands then I don't think he'd turn around and be like so you're not gonna save me because he'd have an understanding that this is that this walk clearly was walked as far as I'm meant to go does that make sense uh, hey, you guys are very magnanimous um another thing to think about right is that um the idea around this kind of uh, around the Israelites in general is that when something bad happened to you it was probably because you did something wrong Right. And so um, and we see this all over the Bible, especially in the Gospels, as the, the Jewish thinking got even more twisted. Um, and so I don't know if that was also running through his mind. I don't know, maybe like he's got sick because he feels like maybe he felt a bit guilty of doing something. And now this is like where the right. <laughs> I'm not going to redeem you kind of thing. This is it for you. I don't know. But anyway. Okay, so you guys have been pretty weird anyways, but me, I'll be feeling, not that I'll be feeling salty, but I'll be pretty sad. Like, I'll be thinking, why is God, why does God need to take, like, even, like, I'm not even, not even that I'm king or that, but I'm a person, isn't it? Like, why does, why does I have to go out like this? But anyway, let's continue. Verse two. Wait, oh, sorry, we, got a question. Yeah. How else do you want to go out? Please enlighten me. 
but, but plenty well, of people let me, going, let me ask my question first. going out living 130 years, you know what I mean? Like, in that case, my question might apply a little bit more. Yeah, go ahead. What kind of if God is saying you're gonna die, and this is a king that's actually been you know on God's side, um, you know, you could say that they have a relationship that you know Hezekiah is doing what everything that he can to follow God. If God is saying that he's going to pass away, does that mean that God is ready for him to pass away? And, and I'm asking in a spiritual sense now, as if if me and you are right enough that actually it's okay for you to let go right now. It's a good question. And actually it's something that um, may get half answered throughout the study. Um, yeah, it's, it's, we're, we're coming to that kind of area in a minute. But yeah, let's continue. Cool. Verse then he Verse turned two. his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord, saying, sorry. You can continue, verse three. Three. Remember now, O Lord, I pray how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what was good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Cool. So what was Hezekiah's response? Prayed. He prayed. What did he pray? What was his like? What was his prayer? It sounds. It sounds like he told God, "I thought we were boys." That's what it sounds like personally. Remember, remember me. He says, "Remember, remember what? Me. Remember the?" I guess he's also just kind of saying, "Like, remember our um, relationship." Because he says how I've walked. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Big point. Remember <clears throat> that. Right? So, Hezekiah prays, he says, remember me, like Daniel said, like the way we have been together to kind of relates to a relationship. Um, Hezekiah could not have prayed this if what? What was the pre, what's, what has to happen before you can pray a prayer like this? You have to have a relationship with God. You have to have a relationship. You, mm. God, have to have history. Mm. For you to go through, for you to for you to be on your deathbed and then to pray a prayer like this, you and God must have to have history. You can't have no history in prayer prayer like this. Right? This is a history kind of prayer. This is me and you have gone through some things kind of prayer. And then he and then he, he's weeping. Why is he weeping? Because no one wants to die, I guess. Because no one wants to die, or at least Hezekiah doesn't want to die. So as much as, you know, we we in this group feel like we would be okay with it, Hezekiah is not very okay with it. He's sad. Yeah? So the, even the fact that it says that he turned his face to the wall is kind of like a... a, a, um, a an image of, like... I don't really. I, I don't want to see anyone right now. Like this is really affecting me, and and I just need to be alone with God right now. Kind of um, mm. imagery, yeah. Mm. Cool. First of all, um, quick question before you continue. Where are you guys yeah. reading from? Where are we reading from? Um, we are reading from Second Kings chapter twenty, and now going on to verse four. Great, 
And it came to pass for Isaiah was gone out into the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him saying, turn again and, oh, you want me to stop there? Just, just, a, just a little bit. Where, what, yeah. what, do, what, is, what is verse 4 saying? Well, it's like God's, re- well, God's about to reply, I guess, through Isaiah. But where, but where was Isaiah? He was halfway out of the house. He was halfway out, right? Mm. So Isaiah's leaving. The message has been preached. The, 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 the judgment has been set. And Isaiah's walking out now. So it's, there's a very finality thing to this. There's like, look, I've sent your message. Hezekiah's probably asked him, please, just do it. And he's like, sorry, this is just, these are the breaks. And he's on his way out. So Hezekiah's not expecting to see Isaiah again. Yeah? Okay, cool. Continue. That's fine. Turn again yeah. and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, thus saith the Lord, the God of David, thy father, I have heard thy prayer. I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee. On the third day, thou shalt go up unto the house of the Lord. Cool. Okay. So what was God's message? God was like, okay, so he cried and um, I considered your plead and um, yeah, I'm going to heal you. But he hasn't actually told him. He's told the, I'm guessing it's like a prophet. You so know, Isaiah the prophet, he's told Isaiah to, that, um, that I'm going to heal you. So what does this suggest? What's the problem here? I feel like God listened to the prayer and it kind of stirred his heart like you would if you was listening to your brethren and it was crying, tears streaming down the face, telling you the issue. Your heart will be moved because that's someone you've been through things with, isn't it? And I feel like at this moment, the heart of God was moved. Okay, great point. Let's deal with that first, right? The heart of God was moved. So what does that suggest about God's character? When, it's, when, when it says, I heard your prayer, but more those, so than just I heard your prayer, I, I have seen your tears. What does that suggest about God? I felt it. About how we feel. He's felt, he felt it, right? He cares about how we feel. God is an emotional God, right? When we That's think it. about God, don't think of him, it's, it's not like he is anti-emotion. Hmm. Like God, if you loved your child, right? If you had a child, you loved your child and they were crying to you about something, there's an extra emotional tug there because you can see they're in distress. God obviously, God has that same heart, right? So when if we go to God in distress, he feels that. It's not like, oh, sorry, I'm perfect. I'm just, I'm disconnected from you. I, I'm just, uh, whether you're crying or not, it doesn't really matter to me. It, it matters, right? That's number one. Number two, and what we're going to spend a bit more time discussing is what? What just happened? Seems like God changed his mind. God changed his mind. Now, what's the problem with that? Well, I mean, well, the Bible says, God doesn't change, innit? So the Bible that, says God doesn't change. But I guess, and maybe, maybe you're, we're going to go into this anyway, but I guess is that more talking about God's, just the way God is, like his character doesn't change, but like, as in God is adaptable, you see what I'm saying? Mm. God is adaptable. I, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's it. 
Okay, this is this is where we kind of want to spend some time discussing, right? So the real question is, um, okay, so here, here's the two um, sides of the story, right? So on one hand, God is sovereign. What does what does God is sovereign mean? He's in control. He's in control. Okay, um, someone else is going to say something. Um, same as Jody, but different way, I guess. I would just say above all. He's above all. So, um, you know, sovereign. It it means it means supreme. It means above all. It means you know. It means just the top, the top dog. Right. So, as you guys have said, right, sovereign is a um, is kind of saying. He's above who is in control of all. His will is final. Yeah, so whatever is in God's will is final. Whatever is in God's will will happen. Can I um, add to that? Yeah, go ahead. I don't think he changed his mind. But I kind of read forward in the text. (laughs) Okay. Like, I read... So when we were on verse, I think, three, I read three and four. And then when we was on four, I read four, five, and six. I don't think he changed his mind. Like, because he says that he's going to extend his life. Like, he's going to get up in three days from being ill. And he's going to extend his life, but he's given a period. So has... God really changed or has he just delayed? Put it this way, right? The text says in verse one, it says, and the Lord said, right? Thus saith the Lord, set thy house in order for you shall die and not live. That's what verse one says. Yeah. In response to Hezekiah's sickness. You're sick, and it says, Thus saith the Lord, you will die and not live. Then we'll see later, it, um, we see in verse 5 that God is now saying, Actually, I'm going to heal him. So, although this, you, um, although it's an extension of his life, and you can argue whether you know, he is going to die eventually, um, this is different from what verse 1 is saying. Verse 1 is specifically talking about the fact that he's going to die from the sickness. And as you said later in the story, he doesn't die from the sickness. So there is there is a change that happens here. The, the other thing that I've got asked, so you guys are reading from KJV, right? Yeah, I, I am, yes. So I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Okay. And it's just, just a thought. Just a thought. So my verse, for verse one, it says, about that time, Hezekiah became deadly ill and prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to visit him. He gave the king's message. This is what the Lord says. Set your affairs in order for you're going to die. You will not recover from this illness. Now, when I'm reading that, and based on what I just said before, I just the question that came to my mind is what's recovery? Because you can get sick from an illness. Take COVID. A lot of people have had COVID and they've gotten better, but no one's really recovered from the illness. 
because they have ongoing symptoms or things that affect them due to the fact they had it. Right. Just like if you were to, if you are to have um, like a change in mindset or a change in being because of something you've gone through. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, go ahead, Nathan. No, I was, I, I was just thinking, I understand, I understand what you're saying about, um, you know, if you, if you have a thing, obviously, especially the fact that your Bible used the word, you will not recover. And I, I, I guess that I understand where you're thinking about that in terms of just, you know, some people can have, I don't know, some, an example, some people can have cancer. And you know you eventually may die of cancer or something else, but you have had you've had cancer for like the last 20, 30 years, and obviously it's it's not a problem that's actually left you. So I understand what you're saying about not recovering, but I I I actually do take at least from my version of the Bible or just just the, from that part that says you are gonna die, that death was imminent, imminent or yeah imminent. I'm gonna use that word. It must have been imminent because God would not have said that God would not have said get your affairs in order if it wasn't imminent. More than that, when we actually read the rest of Hezekiah's story, he did not die from this illness. And and lastly, what I would say is if God heals you, right? God doesn't heal like some of these um prosperity preachers out there who like heal you today and then you're back to the sick tomorrow. When God heals something, it's healed. When Jesus okay. healed someone from, 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 from being blind, they didn't turn blind again two weeks later. They, they, they could see. When, when, um, when we read, I think last week, um, yeah, last week, someone's hand got healed from, from leprosy. Their hand became, it wasn't like a normal hand that was weird and, you know, had, had lived through life. It was like a new baby's hand. So when God heals, it's new, it's, it's complete, right? So when we hear about the healing here, this isn't like, I'm going to allow you to live a bit longer, but you're still going to have the issue that you have. It's like, you're good. Yeah? So, in that sense, there is a change here. And so let's go to, um, to, to just thicken the plot about this. We're going to go to a, diff- a couple other examples where we see um, God saying that he doesn't change, but actually does change, right? So um, Numbers 23, if someone could go to Numbers 23 um, and verses 19, someone could read that. Numbers 23 verse 19 Uh, God is not a man that he should lie neither the son of man that he should repent hath he said and shall he not do it or hath he spoken and shall he not make it good what's that text saying it's basically saying God is God is a man of his word well God is a man of his word he's not a man but he's a I get what you're saying yeah. yeah God, God says something, he will do it. When God says something, he will do it, right? Mm. God doesn't change. Like, once, like, I'm not, I'm, he says, I'm not a man that I should repent. 
those are the words that he uses yeah okay where is the story where we see god change his mind other than the one we just read um or a reading where do, do we remember another scenario in which this happens um when we did um jonah and he told jonah that he's going to um destroy the city and jonah feasted and then then um God um, saved them because they repent from their sin. Cool, right? So jo- Jonah's message, God's a very, very good name. The message that, um, that Jonah is given from God is, in 40 days, I will destroy your city. That is the message. So it's not, I will, if. There's no ifs or buts. There's no, um, there's no um, conditions within the message. It is, in 40 days, your city will perish. Right, and what ends up happening is they repent, and God doesn't allow the city to be destroyed. So again, that would suggest that God changed what he what he said. Um, any other examples? I was, I was going to say um, when Adam and Eve, he says, "If you eat of the tree, thou shalt surely die." But they did. Sh- can I can I just make a mention? Because yeah, God's forgiving, yeah. And I hate that my brain thinks this way, but. God's very all-knowing and very smart, mm-hmm. way smarter than any of us. So when he says something, he knows what he's saying. Like, I'm a person, I try my best to really think before I say things. And I find when I'm speaking to more people who are, like, more inter- intellectually, you know, well-versed than me or whatever, I will vary my words or I'll say statements that are very open. Like, you just gave the example of, that God didn't destroy the city. And my brain said, was God physically talking about destroying the city like by fire and brimstone? Or did God mean he's going to tear down what is currently like the sin in the city? Do you get what I mean? How the people act? Because if all the people repented, then is it even the same city? Do you get what I mean? Does anyone get what I mean? I do get what you mean. Um, I get what you mean. And the same thing like the the two examples like is it even the same is it even the same situation or the same thing like because if it's not then god's word wasn't like wrong he isn't returning back from his word he's kept his word does that make sense it does make sense and we'll get we'll get into the um along the right lines but we'll continue um there is more to the explanation but it's good We're, we're getting there Right, Tyler. Yeah, what I wanted to say is every time I've heard um you know God doesn't change, I'm thinking his character, you know, his um deposition, you know, his character doesn't change, he's always loving, he's always merciful, he's always gonna be God, he's always gonna have the ten commandments that are not gonna change, he's always gonna be abiding by those forever. So when I hear it doesn't change, I'm thinking clear clear cuts or characteristics of God, not necessarily um things that affect us. So if we change how we are, we have God hasn't changed. We've changed. Cool. And um, we're gonna we're gonna uh, expand on that point as well. But good point, right? Um, you you mentioned Adam and Eve, and thou shalt surely die. Um, that people would argue um wasn't a change specifically because um it didn't necessarily say when they would die. So it just started their death clock almost. Um, and also you could argue that they died spiritually then. So um, 
So those are the two like explanations for that text, um, but it's a, it's a good example. Um, the last example I wanted to go to is in is in Exodus thirty two. Um, if we could go there. Exodus 32, um, and we're going to pick it up in verse 7. And just a little bit of context. Um, Moses has just gone up to the, the um, mountain to speak with God for 40 days and 40 nights. Um, in as much time as the Israelites have just started worshipping the golden calf, just coming out of Egypt. Um, and God is angry because that happens. Um, and so we arrive at verse 7. Okay, I know where we're going with this. Um, I guess I'll read verse 7. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go get thee down, for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. If we could keep going to verse um, 14. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto and said, These by the, these by be thy gods. O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. Then Moses pleaded with the Lord his God, and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should Egyptians say, why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster to you on your on your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and and saidst unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. Awesome. What just happened? Did anyone clock in the, the first couple of verses how it almost sounded like, because um, God turned around and he says to Moses, look at what these people that you brought up out of Egypt. Mm. Yeah. And it reminded me of when, um, like, you know, you see uh, in, in families sometimes, you know, a father might see something happen with his children, his children do something, and he turns around to the mother and he says, look at what your children are doing. That's exactly the kind of vibe that it reminded me of. Definitely. 
So, so, so what just happened? God repented. God repented, right? Interesting. What did what did we read in Numbers just now? The God says um, basically that the children have turned to idol worship and saying that um, the idols have carried them out of Egypt. So he says to Moses that he's going to make of him a great nation and he's going to like destroy the children of Israel. And then Moses says, oh, no, don't do that. Like, remember your promise that you gave to Abraham. Um, and then God decides not to um, destroy the children of Israel. Right. And I can I just make a very quick point, guys. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. I'm not gonna I'm try, gonna try and not steer us off track. But just basically this thing of um these guys, they've just come out of Egypt. They've literally just come out of Egypt. They've just seen Pharaoh's army destroyed and all of this. And literally they're in the wilderness and Moses leaves the camp momentarily to go get the Ten Commandments. Yes, he's up there for like what, forty days or something. I don't know. He's he's up there for a while. And Israel, like, yeah, you know how sometimes children start moving mad as soon as you leave them? <laughs> this is kind of like what Israel are on. And straight away, they, well, eventually they go make this burning, this golden calf. And it's just that thing of, uh, what was it? Um, what does Aaron turn around and tell Israel? Oh, and now behold your gods, which brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And it was just mad because I'm thinking Jeroboam. I'm thinking mm-hmm. of all these other things that people have gone and made like images. It always, for some reason, it always starts with some image. It always starts with something physical that you can actually look on and put the attributes of God on to say, look. And, and it's almost like the, the reason that I wanted to bring up this point is it's almost like we want to praise something. It's almost like we need to praise something. And therefore, when we go and make an idol, it's like we literally physically take the attributes of God or certain attributes of God, the ones that we like especially, and put them on something to say that all the goodness in my life has been because of this thing. And all the, you know, everything great in my life has been because of this thing. So even when that idol is ourself, to turn around, look in the mirror and say, everything good that's come to you is because you're great and you're powerful and you're strong and intelligent and intellectual and it's just this idea that we strip god of literally everything that he has done for us and put it on something else that just has nothing to do with him and this is this is why it's mad to see that god is angry it's almost like the first couple verses this god is venting to moses about these people you know just 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 let me just you know i'm gonna destroy them and it is literally just that god is venting to moses or well, at least that's that's the idea that I'm getting from this. Cool. Ruben, do you, um you have your hand up? Um just two points that I wanted to make. Um first one, uh put something in the chat a little while ago with um Hebrews four, fifteen and sixteen, which talks about the fact that we have a high priest that understands what we're going through. Yeah. And I like the point that Nathan just made because he basically just said God has feelings too. Yeah. We love to talk about God is someone that almost as if he doesn't get angry and he doesn't get sad and he's not passionate and he doesn't love all of these things here. Yeah? And sometimes we, we kind of 
or maybe not we, I, yeah, mistake the control that God has over, you know, those emotions as not having any at all. But we see that maybe Nathan made a good point of saying he's venting to Moses. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say is let's not get it twisted. Um, who's, you know, who does Moses sound like when he is um, actually replying to God and saying, um, what is it? He's saying, why are you angry? Um, you know, why does your uh, wrath wax hot against your people? Um, you brought them out of Egypt. Why are you going to give people reason to like um, say that you brought them out to kill them? Um, Moses is standing in that gap and he's advocating to his people. Mm-hmm. And especially because the verse that we just read talks about the high priest that we've got. Let's not get it you know, twisted. Moses didn't get that behavior from himself. He learned that behavior from God. So if anything, Moses is a Christ type in this situation that's actually doing that advocating. And so it's interesting because people have made this point a couple of times in our study so far that when we're talking about God not changing, we're talking about his character and his attributes. And yet, even in this story, in a completely different way than we expect, God's character is still shining through. What's interesting is that it sounds bad to say, but in this story, we're shown a flip round so that God's characteristics are not technically coming from God. Interesting, interesting. Um, the the question the question that comes from this, right? So so we have um, we have God about to destroy the Israelites and basically say, Moses, I'm going to start this again with you. And Moses threw out, you know, recalling to God the promise of Abraham through telling God that you know your glory will be lost if you do this because the other nations are going to look and say you took them out of Egypt just to kill them in the wilderness and the words come out and say um, God repented of his evil that he was going to do against Israel right and a couple books later in Numbers we read already that God I'm not a man that I should not that I should repent and so we're left with this um with this seeming um, contradiction. And we've touched on how this contradiction is explained, um, but there's this seeming contradiction about what is God, what God is saying about him not changing. And although we've touched on it in terms of um, God's character doesn't change, I think there's a bit more of a deeper explanation to what um, is happening, especially when it resembles what we do to allow God to check, to, I say, change in quotation marks. So the number one um, thing, we, um, first thing we need to discuss, right, is this idea that I brought up before about God's sovereignty, right? Um, so when God made the, the, the say in the situation with Moses, when God said to Abraham, I'm going to make you a vast nation and this will be your seed and he will, through his line, will um, Jesus be born and all the rest of it and the children of Israel and all the rest of it, that was all part of God's plan. However, at this moment in time, um, God is ready to kill all of Israel and start again with Moses right so but Moses' prayer changes the outcome it changes the outcome however God's will is still the same as when it was when he promised it to Abraham and so you have this question about whether our prayer actually changes anything for example, 
Um, we have this uh, we have this thing praying God's will, right? So um, if if I know my friend is sick and I pray for my friend, I may say at the end of the prayer, um, please, please, please heal my friend. But if it's if it's your will, let it be done. If it's not your will, we we sometimes caveat our prayers like that, right? And so we have this idea that if I didn't pray, would my friend still be healed? Or if I did pray, like, is it my prayer that caused them to be healed? Or was God going to heal them anyway? What do you guys think? I think that your prayer is, I was going to say vital. Your, your prayer play a part in it because okay let me put it on a lower level um the jesus in me wants to help everybody and i see someone who's struggling that don't necessarily care too much for but i'm convicted by the spirit to help them i'm more likely to help them at a quicker pace if my friend comes over to me who I do care about and says, like, I know you don't care about them, but I really, really need them to be well. Do you get what I mean? I really, really need them to be helped. I'm more willing to do it then. Even if I was going to do it regardless beforehand, like I have even more desire to do it. So maybe I go to it with a better spirit because of the request of the friend. So you're saying in, 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 um, in the God example that if I pray for my friend, it's likely that God will act more speedily or act in a better nature to heal. I think God, because God is an emotive God, he considers more the impact of what he, not that God doesn't consider the impact, but like, maybe it's just looks on with even more of a light than, I don't know, had it been just, I don't know if I'm making sense. Like, I think I get where you're going. You're, you're, what, you're, making, sense. you're making sense. Listen, I'm here. Go ahead. Oh, oh yeah. Um, I mean, I don't have a verse in it, <laughs> but this is just from like my experience. Um, I definitely believe that prayer, like your prayers can all, um, change outcomes and even orchestrate outcomes, obviously according to God's will. However, like, like I just said, we always add that little bit in at the end. However, it's like, I think where um, there's a lot that we don't see. So put it this way, of course, God wants to heal people, right? God wants to, you know, God has it like the Bible says, God has a future for us. He has plans for us anyway already. And I think when, I think that's the part that we don't see. We don't see God actually like um, orchestrating our prayers out. We just, pr we pray about it and um, our prayers are answered or, or um, not answered. You see what I'm saying? Um, obviously I don't have, this is just based on experience. So I, like, you know, it's not much to go off, but um, yeah, that's, that's where I'm coming from. So uh, I just want to uh, round off what you're saying, see if I get what you're saying, right? So mm -hmm. you're saying um, you could pray, for example, for your friend to be well, 
and God, mm. because of your prayer, God could act on that, mm. right? Um, or he couldn't act on that, right? But mm-hmm. he may act on it based on your prayer. However, it has to be according to his will. Yeah. So if it was according to his will, if you hadn't prayed, you're saying that he wouldn't have been well, even if it was because of God's will, even if it was within God's parameters of his will. He probably would have been well, but the time in which he took to get well may have been totally different. Okay, interesting. Mm. Tyler, what, what are you saying? I think, good question, good I th- question. Wait, I think, I think it would, your friend would still would have been well, even if he didn't pray, if it was okay. God's will. Interesting. Okay, cool. Tyler? I I was going to say before, I want to change it because of what Daniel said, but what I was going to say is um, when it comes to like prayer, it's easy. I think it's like Daniel said, the experiences, like if, 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 if you've got a testimony that says, you know, you pray for something and he, God, God, doesn't, God doesn't have to do anything that you said um, that you asked for. Like it can be something silly. Um, but there's examples in my life where I know if I didn't pray, that would not have happened. Silly example, right? Silly, but not silly. Uni, uni year three. I know there's one test I did not pass. I'm telling you, mm. God, God passed that test for me. I, I went every quote. I'm a mobile apps here. I opened that test paper. Nothing. I was nothing. Everything on the paper, I did not revise. I was like, no. I, I prayed so much for that paper, and I know for a fact God passed that for me. And if I didn't pray. I would not pass that exam. I hear, I hear. Big point. Love that. Ruben, we've got hands jumping up. This is what I want to see. Ruben, go ahead. And then we'll go to Daniel. I actually had my hand up from earlier, you know, so I'm going to pass this on. Okay, cool. Daniel. Um, I feel odd about this subject because personally, the ones who know me here know how much prayers have gone up for me. Like, stupid amounts of prayers for years and years and years in a row. And there are times when I've been in hospital thinking, oh, I'm not going to leave. And mum or dad would come in and they'd be like, oh, pastors come to pray for you. Now, I didn't really get the point of a pastor coming to pray for me at first because I didn't see the difference. But over the years, I have noticed that there is a difference in how prayers are prayed for you. And I mean, there are some people that will never stop praying for us. For instance, our families, like our parents, our grandparents, people that really want to see us have good all the time. And then there are people that will also come together and pray for you. They might not necessarily be the most avid supporters of you, but because you're in a situation, they come and they pray together. And God really does react differently to the different amount of prayers. I think not that I say that he doesn't take other prayers seriously, but I feel like the more people that come together, the bigger of an impact it has on God. And especially when they're people of like-minded faith, very much so. I have seen a difference in it. And Daniel, I agree with you because there is biblical, um, there's biblical backing for that point. So definitely when we're coming, we're coming to the near the end for sure. 
Um, Nathan, I'm trying to go in order when the hands came up. Literally just a quick point. I just wanted to read a verse and then read the definition. Um, so the verse is James 5, verse 16. And I'm going to read all of it, but there's the back end of it that I'm properly going for. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So there are those words, the effectual, effectual, so effective and fervent. Um, so it's a supplication. It's a begging prayer. So the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And just so we all understand what that's talking about, um, just defining the word avail on um, Google. So help or benefits. So it's not saying the effectual prayer of a righteous man um, heals you. That's not what it's saying. It's not saying the effectual prayer of a righteous man will, you know, it 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 doesn't um, it it doesn't do the miracle. It doesn't do the virtue. But it does. It, it's almost like saying the prayers that are on your side are literally to your advantage, to your help, to your benefit. The more prayers you got, the more benefit you got. And I'm I'm just trying to I'm going to keep turning that one over in my mind but yeah that's, cool. that's a good point and that links with Daniel's point which we'll, we'll definitely be coming to um, Kai I following on from that I, I heard a sermon preached once can't even reference it to be honest but the one thing that stood out in the sermon is that the preacher who's preaching it said that um God needs your prayers. I'm paraphrasing, but there's something about prayer that almost ignites um movement, I guess. So when people do pray, when certain people pray, I don't know. For me personally, I've had times when I've gone through some hardship and I can't pray for myself. And I know that if mm. there was those old praying women in church, I probably mm. wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for my mother praying, I probably wouldn't be here. There's certain times that I feel like I get sent to go places and specifically pray over other people. And it isn't me. It's like the Holy, like I can, I feel like a third party in the situation because I know I'm there, but I can feel the Holy Spirit moving through me for someone else and if I never if I decided oh I'm not going to pray for them then not to say that God wasn't going to help them but the ways in which they were helped would be totally different so I don't know that that was just my thought Um, I'm not sure who iPhone is but iPhone has had their hand up it's me Hannah (laughs) sorry I can't Hi, I can't figure out how to change my name. But anyway, um, I think I haven't been to one of these Bible studies in a while, but for some reason, I just thought, let me just try and make it to this one. And literally, Reese, I think that God is definitely using you because this is a topic that I have been struggling with for ages and ages. Um, Because in the sense of like, 
you know when somebody I think certain prayers make a difference so with what Tyler was saying with how you know you have an exam you didn't think you're going to pass so you pray for it but then in terms of like life or death situations of praying for somebody to live or praying for someone to die with that I feel like it's completely out of our control like there's absolutely nothing that we can do and I feel like in life and death it's normally God's will that happens so I always struggle with praying for somebody to be healed or or for them to not die because I'm like if it is God's will then it doesn't matter what I pray the person is going to die and if it is if it is God's will that they live it doesn't matter what I pray the person is going to live so I'm I'm struggling with it so I'm I'm interested here Hannah that is exactly the um the the thing we're discussing right now that is that dichotomy right there between um is there a point of me praying if God was just going to save them or not save them anyway, is exactly what we're discussing. So we'll get to that outcome for sure. Um, Maz. Okay. Let me actually, let me think about properly what I'm going to, what I'm going to say here. Um, I'm thinking that it's not even the, the words that we use to pray. I'm thinking it's it's the fact that it's God that we're praying to. Um, I remember in a sermon that was preached that was saying basically if God if God knows everything, what's the point in praying to Him? What's the point even asking Him asking Him in the first place? And it's kind of like um, someone said it's kind of like when your child calls you mama or dada for the first time, like you know you're the child's mother, but there's something in there that's like a loving moment when your child acknowledges that you are their mother like they're your your child is acknowledging kind of like the role and the fact that they know that your mom is like able to provide for you so um someone was kind of saying that was similar to prayer in the fact that we're acknowledging that god is the one that can provide god is the one who is our source of um, goodness and the reason why we got to where we got to today and someone else is um, talking about idolatry saying that um, an idol is kind of saying that um, this is I don't know say it's a thing and you're saying this thing is the reason why I've got to where I've got to today this thing is the source of good goodness I think if you don't pray you end up turning to something else and acknowledging the wrong things and I think that there's damage in that so I think prayer keeps is is more for you to remind you kind of where that goodness is coming from does that does that make sense I hear you um definitely um definitely a part of it for sure for sure good point um Tyler and then Daniel 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 can go first okay go ahead Daniel Uh, Hannah, your thing kind of threw me because I saw you earlier in the week when I was going to my blood test and the results were horrific. But at the same time, what you said really hit me because all the way from like getting my results until today, I've been not hard praying, but I've just said, God, look after this little situation. 
And somehow, somehow, he's brought it back to balance already. Now, I know, I know that small things make a big effect on me because of how my life has been in it. But the question you pose is something that I'm always thinking about. And instinctively, regardless of how bad my situation gets, when doctors tell me, oh, it doesn't seem like you're going to get out this time, I instinctively pray. It's not necessarily about the fact that I believe it's going to make a difference, but I do believe that God is in control. So regardless of what decision is made, I just feel like the fact that I talk to him puts me in a position where he is able to do something if necessary. I feel mm -hmm. like the lack of communication is what a lot of the times prevents us from receiving our blessings. Um, yeah. I hear that. Um, okay, let's take these last two points and then I'm going to throw another thing out there. Um, Tyler. Yeah. Um, for me, there's like a few verses that come to mind. Um, I, haven't got the, I haven't got a verse for the first one, but it's like, God says to bring everything to him in prayer. He doesn't say bring the small things. He doesn't say just bring the big things. He says bring everything. And I feel like it's based on what we bring to him. I mean, there's a verse in Matthew 21, verse 22. And it says, um, and all things, whatever, whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. So for me, it's like, when we pray, we pray, if we pray and if you truly believe it, then, you know, once you, once you pray with faith and truly believe in it can happen. It can be anything rather than, um, oh, it's sort, of, it's sort of set in stone. It doesn't matter what we do. Like for me, as low-key, low I don't feel like that. Like, I don't feel like God's just, well, telling us to pray to him, but there's a man who do what I want to do anyway. I don't feel like that makes sense to me. He wants us to pray to him because he wants to see what's on our hearts and sort of show his love for us as well by saying, you know, when we pray, He's not sort of just toying with us for no reason. Mm. So that's how I sort of see it. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, last one from Kai. So I think mine kind of adds to, like I've got two points, but it kind of adds to partly what Daniel said and partly what, I don't know what the other girl's called, what the other girl who spoke before said. Hannah. No, not, it wasn't Hannah, I don't think. That's Maz, but yeah, continue. Maz. Oh, yeah. Um, sorry, Maz. So the first point is that I think I heard a similar sermon to the one that Maz heard. Um, and it was talking about, um, basically, the point of the sermon was that God desires um, like communication and relationship with us. And that's why we pray, like, even though, even like our parents will know if something's happened to their little child, say the child's at school and they fall over, obviously the teachers call the parents so that the parents are going to know before the child comes home and says this happened, but they'd still want their child to come home and say this happened. And in the same way, it's like God already knows everything, but he still wants you to have a relationship and have that conversation with him and come to him. So that was like the first point. But then the second point, when Daniel was speaking, he was saying that, um, oh, my brain has gone asleep. 
He was saying something along the lines of basically that certain prayers. Damn, my brain has really gone blank. I can't remember to reference it, but what he said tied to this verse. And also Tyler said something that also tied to this verse. Yesterday I did basically a study and I came across the verse, Second Chronicles 7, chapter 7, verse 14, and 14 to 16. And it says, then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn away from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and restore their land. And the biggest point I got out of it is the restoration. We're talking a lot about like, God's will happening and like whether he's going to do it whether we pray or not and I feel like some things we really do need to pray in order for that restoration because it's it's not there's something in prayer that happens that restores you even if you're praying for someone else and that's not going to come if you don't pray I don't know if that makes sense yeah, for sure. And that's 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 a that's a good point as well. And um yeah, good point, good point. I like that. Okay. So this the other this other um, thing that I want to discuss about, which is um along the same lines, and then we're gonna uh, we'll wrap up the whole thing, right? So um in the same Exodus chapter where, where we read about um God's anger being kindled against the Israelites um and wanting to destroy them, and then Moses um seemingly um, persuading God not to um, there's this idea of God's emotions and we spoke about God's emotions a bit already and there's this idea that if God is omniscient God knows the end from the beginning um, then how come God can seemingly be angry um, and then not be angry um, because surely he knew all of this was coming so why did he why was he angry in the first place um, and why was he, um, and it seems like God is, is acts, especially with his anger uh, in the Old Testament in quite a reactive way. Yet, we know that God knows everything. So how, why is this, why does it seem like he's acting in the reactive way? Um, I saw Daniel Manji's hand up first and then we'll go to Daniel James. Um. Yeah, I heard, I, I remember, I think we're all hearing stuff from um, um, past preachings and sermons. Um, I heard this very, this exact um, kind of scenario um, from, oh, I can't remember the guy's name. Um, I think his name's Nyson. Yeah, Nyson. He preached this one time mm -hmm. like, a while ago. And he was basically saying how, um, he gave the example of like, let's say, for example, yeah, your, I don't know, your husband or your wife, they've just, they've just left for a trip somewhere yeah they're gonna be away for like a week two weeks whatever yeah obviously you're gonna miss them in it right well i hope so don't know what the relationship's saying but um, <laughs> so obviously you're gonna miss them right and you drop them off cool say no more now a week goes by or let's say two weeks goes by and it's time for them to come back yeah now obviously throughout that whole time you've missed them and you know you're going to see them like in a few hours when you go and pick them up, right? So like, why is it that even though, why is it that when you see them now, 
um, you embrace them, hugs, kisses. You say, oh, I missed you. I mean, like, it's been so long. Da, 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 tell me everything. Why do you react like that? Like, why, is, why are you so, you know what I'm saying? Because I think even in the same way with God, I think even though God knows that what we're going to do, like he gets, you know, he, in the same way, like, for example, in, um, I think it's the book of Luke 15, where it says that um, there's joy in heaven when one sinner repents, then 99 just persons that don't need repentance. You see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I think with God, uh, his, his knowledge of the future doesn't lessen his ability to still experience what we are, yeah, to experience what we're experiencing. I think that's why, even though he knew, he knew that Israelites were going to be doing madness. And, mm. you know, and yet, even though he knew that, when it happened, like, that, his ability to still feel that emotion of anger, it, it doesn't go away. It still hurt. Um, so, um, so, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Cool. Manji? Oh, sorry, James, Dan James? <laughs> Um, you're muted if you're talking, by the way. No? Okay. Uh, we'll come back to Wanda. Uh, yeah. So, um, I liked a lot what Daniel was saying. Um, and I, I wanted to add another perspective or another point as to why I think. Um, God still reacts. Um, there's the case of the fact that he doesn't lose the ability to emote and he still has to uh, go through the experience that he knows is going to happen. Um, but there's many examples in the Bible. I, I feel like God's reaction is not for the sense of, for when humans react, we react because it's a surprise or it's you know something we don't really have much control of. But with mm. God, he, he does have full control of the way he reacts and when he reacts and why he reacts. When the first reaction we see of God, when Adam and Eve fell in the garden, um, we, we know he asks them questions. Where are you? Um, why are you doing this? When we knew God knows the answers, but he's still asking the questions. And he asked the questions for the sake of both Adam and Eve and for us as we're looking and reflecting back on the time. Um, you know, is giving Adam and Eve the chance and the opportunity to, to tell the truth or to not tell the truth. It's giving them the, the time to reflect on their actions and, you know, um, go through their experience with God. Um, another time I think of is uh, when uh, God was going to uh, burn um, Sodom and Gomorrah. And we see him engage in conversation with Abraham and Abraham's negotiating on their behalf. God is coming with the, with the wrath of, of, of God and saying, I'm going to burn down the city. And, he's, and Abraham's saying, oh, what if we find uh, so many people that are, that are with you and we see God kind of negotiating his way down to say if he, if he finds just a few people that believe in him he will spare the city God already knew from the beginning that he was going to spare the city if he finds these people but he mm. still had that experience that reactive experience that seemingly reactive experience with Abraham um, and it just brings me to the verse that says that God's thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways the reasons mm. we react to a situation is completely different to the reasons why God would react to a situation. Um, even in, the, in an earthly example of Jesus, Jesus knew from um, a very early age, we see, uh, we've been studying the desire of ages as a family at home. And you see Jesus at the age of 12, when he goes to Jerusalem for the first time and seeing the whole sacrificial process, 
he knew from the age of 12 that when he grows up and he knew the time that he was going to die, he knew he was going to die the whole time it was coming, but he still had the reaction on Gethsemane of that whole experience that he just, he didn't want to go through it. He, he didn't want to go through the pain that he was about to go through, even though he knew from an early age that he was going to go through. And he knew that after he's gone through it, he's going to return to heaven and he's going to eventually join us in eternal glory. God mm. knows we're going to sin, but it doesn't take away the pain of watching us sin, going through the sin. So at that time and place, God still reacts in a different way that we have to react, but he reacts because it, uh, yeah, I, I think I hope my point was clear. <laughs> I got you, I got you. Okay, cool. Um, Ruben? Yeah. And then we'll go to, um, oh yeah, yeah, go, yeah. Sorry, to wonder, I think you stole the, the bit of my point I was trying to make because I was saying, you can have, I'm going to make this very simple for you guys. Imagine you were a teacher, yeah? And you're teaching a class, say you're, it's a drama class, yeah? You can have very good children who are actors. However, they always deviate from their lines. Now, as the person in charge, you can give them the lines over and over and over and over and over again. However, you cannot make them speak the correct words. Do you get what I mean? God is very much in a similar position. He sees us. He sees the choices we have to make in our lives long before we make them. And even though there is an ideal path for us and he will direct us as much as possible towards that ideal path, he cannot stop us when we decide to go left or right. So then when God reacts, it's not necessarily because God is God didn't see it, but God God is upset to see that you've chosen the 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 wrong way. Um, <laughs> All right, um Tyler. Sorry, go on. Wasn't Ruben before me? Oh, it was Ruben actually. Oh, sorry, I thought it was Daniel for Ruben's thing. So go ahead, Ruben. You guys mind if I just jump in there as well? Um, When you look at Romans chapter 8, from probably around verse 29, so you've got verse 28 that says, we know that all things work together for good, yeah, for those that love God. Um, But verse 29 and onward, it starts to talk about predestination, yeah? Mm -hmm. And it talks about the fact that whom God did foreknow, those he also did predestine to be transformed into the image of his son, and the, the image that it gives is confusing. And obviously we know that in all of Christendom, this was quite a big thing that people were talking about, like this idea of predestination. Is there any point changing things if these people are already going to heaven and these people are already going to hell? What's the point of us? Mm. But the image that it gives to my mind, and I don't know if anyone shares this or maybe someone has something that refutes it or anything like that, is the idea that there are many, many paths before each of us. Yeah, And God knows where each of them goes. And that doesn't mean that when we choose something bad, he leaves us to it. When we choose something bad, he has a way back to him for us. And when we choose something good, he has the next step for us to go through. Yeah. And it's very, sorry. I think it's just, you know, Nathan, you made a really good point earlier. And I think Tyler echoed this point. Other people have as well. Um, In Ezekiel 36, yeah, God is telling us, you've got a heart of stone. 
Ruben, I want to come in and give you want to give you a heart of flesh, something that actually lives and breathes and beats and feels. Yeah. And we say that we're made in God's image. So doesn't that mean that God also has a heart that lives and breathes and beats and feels? And our prayers have to tug him. Our world, there's a quote from Ellen White that says, our world is, our world is like a, a, a Lazar house, which apparently is like a leper house. And if we, as, our, as people, as us, were to understand the amount of pain and suffering that goes on in our world, it would drive us insane and we would cease to exist. And yet God doesn't have an off filter for his feelings. Mm. And yet he still leans into that pain so that he can love us. So maybe it's the understanding of God's love that we need to have rather than just saying, you know, he doesn't hear us. And when he says, so let it be written and so let it be done. There's not room for a relationship with us in those choices. That's all I want to say. Well, I agree. Um, yes, I agree with that point. And I've just got a question based off of that. Like, if we believe like prayer is works or prayer is an action to God, um, there's a story in Matthew 9. Um, what verse is it? The verse where the woman touched the hem of Jesus' robe. Yeah. Like, would she have, like, I, I like she touched the her robe because she believed that if she met Jesus, she, she he would be able to believe to be able to heal her, and she yeah. did it through faith. Like if she had not gone there to touch um his hem, would she have just been healed? Like I don't think so. Is it action the action of I believe, you know I will be healed? Like so much people have touched Jesus' robe. He's walking through the street. They didn't get healed from all their afflictions, but this woman came with such a true and on his heart with such faith. Jesus felt someone touching their robe, but I didn't feel anyone touching my clothes all the time. But Jesus felt this one woman touching with such faith that she got healed. And I don't think that would have happened if she just sat in the street corner. Thinking, Great oh, it is what it is. Great point. Awesome. All right. Um, all right. I think it's time we wrap all this up, isn't it? Because I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot of questions jumping around, <laughs> right? So, okay. Um, let's deal with God's emotions um, first, right? So it is true. God, God is consistent. God is consistent, God doesn't change. And when we talk about that, we're mainly talking about his character, but we're also talking about um, his actions as well. But when we talk about his actions, it's really talking about his character. God behaves according to his character. So when we hear a lot in the, uh, in the Old Testament around um, God being angry or God's heart being touched or anything like that, it is relation to God is behaving according to his character. So if the people of Israel picked up an idol and sinned because God hates sin and he has always hated sin and will always hate sin, when someone sins, they will incur the wrath of God. Not because God has tripped upon them sinning, but that's because that is how God behaves with sin. So when we're attached to sin, that is the, that is the characteristic of God we are embraced with. Same way, God's character is also to be loving and gracious. So even though we're in sin, if we pray to, um, to God for forgiveness and we have a contrite heart and repent, God is also consistent in his love and in his mercy. So you then experience a different side of God because you're now in a different space. So for example, let me, um, some, I heard someone give this analogy. If you're riding a bike, and you're riding against the wind, it feels like it's blowing your face pretty strong, probably quite cold, 
um, and it's it's going to be harder to get past. Um, you're trying to, it's going to be harder to get where you're going. However, if you turn the bike around and ride with the wind, then you're going to find that you're riding much faster and it's much easier to ride your bike. Now, that's not because the wind has changed at all. The wind is exactly the same. It's because the direction in which you've rid, ridden your bike has allowed you to experience the wind in a different mm. way. And so when we see God and see different things with God in terms of when we're experiencing him, it's really to do with our changing nature and not his. Yeah? So when we're looking at now um, the story of Hezekiah or even the story of Moses, that kind of explains a bit around um, where it can say God repented of his um, evil that he was going to do to Israel or God allowed Hezekiah to, to, um, to live another 15 years or Jonah um, with the people of Nineveh allowed them not to, be pe not to perish is because originally they were, they were dealing with God in a place of sin where all he can do is have wrath against sin and then they were in a place of God of grace. Because they so were, like a, uh, yeah, okay, oh, sorry, no, it's just um, like a context thing, it's more of a context thing, like where you are, exactly. Exactly. right? Mm. Um, so whenever you pray to God and you've got like Hezekiah had tears in his eyes and he's praying with a contrite heart, God will always that there is not, there's not a situation where God will not feel that because God is always consistent, He is always the same. He may be a different how you experience him when you sin, but it's a different God. Like it's the same God. It's the same thing that he's, he's experiences. There's no difference in him. It's just you. It's you that are different. It's, you, it's which way you're you're riding your bike. Yeah. Okay. Um, now to in that context, we can now um, deal with this prayer thing, right? Does prayer change God's mind? In a real way, yes. In a real way, no. And why do I say that? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Um, in a and in a real way, we can't. We don't really know. And and I'll, I'll explain why I gave all of those answers. Number one, what is prayer for? Prayer is for more for us than it is for God. Every single prayer that you make, and we and several people have made this point, and which is why I was saying we'll come back to it. Um, every single prayer we make is for relationship with God first and foremost, right? When we see, we, we heard texts like prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Um, we heard when you um, pray to God and forgive your sins and he'll heal your um, sins and heal your land. It's um, even here where it says, you know, I've been, I've, I've walked with you, you know, I've had a perfect heart. This is like prayer is about um, our heart to God. That's what it's about. Whenever we're asking for something, whatever, when we're praising God for something, whenever we're asking for forgiveness, wherever we're um, asking for help for ourselves, it's all about our relationship with God. And so um, when we were requesting something, especially to say, oh, could you make X and Y well, that God says to keep on praying. Even when we ask, ask for the Holy Spirit, he says, don't ask for the Holy Spirit once. Keep praying. Persistent prayer. Why? Not because he's only going to give it to you after you've prayed 50 times, but more so you will learn and you will understand how much you need it if you pray for it 50 times versus if you pray it once. You praying for something and then it happening has, has, a, um, has an effect on your spiritual life. 
on it has an effect on your on your faith, right? So if if you didn't pray and God did it, let's say um you didn't pray that the person would get well, but because it was within His will, He made them well. You would not attract that to God. You wouldn't say, "Oh, wow, God really pulled something through there," because you didn't pray about it. But if you prayed about it and God still did it, then that attributes faith to God. You understand? Mm. Relationship grows. So prayer is for us more than anything. Number that's the first level. That's the first floor, right? I'll um, I'll let you guys chip in. Go ahead, Kai. I was just gonna say, even in what you said, sometimes it's it's like a really small testimony. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I'm praying for other people. I said it before, but like there's something. I think I said it in text in the chat there's something that comes over me where I'm like overwhelmed with the Holy Spirit and I start seeing parts of myself being healed because I'm praying for someone else. But I just thought when you just said what you said, it's mad how it's like for relationship because um, I can't remember who I was having this discussion with, but I watched part, maybe it was a Sarah Jakes Roberts, whatever her name is, she had a sermon. Was it Sarah Jakes Roberts? T.D. Jakes' daughter, the pastor, had a sermon. Um, and in it, she was just saying that how basically we can, sometimes God doesn't heal at the point of us beginning to pray. Like you said, pray so many times over because yeah. it's strengthening our faith. But sometimes he needs to let something die before he restores it or heals it because at that place only then whoever is in that in need of restoration will see that this is clearly a miracle and this is God Mm. I feel like sometimes that's the way for people who live with long-term illnesses or people who are suffering mental battles or going through kind of hardship like that it's just mad for sure for sure and it's and it's difficult, right? Because um, it's it's difficult because in many experiences, and Daniel spoke about this, where people have been praying for years and it may not feel like anything has happened, right? Um, and this is where um, we're kind of going to go in terms of God's will, right? So um, number one, right? So prayer is number one about relationship. So even when Hezekiah was crying and praying to God here, it's about his relationship with God. It's not about um first and foremost that is what god wanted from hezekiah he wanted him to come to him break down uh, and and come to him first that's that's all god wanted he didn't want like that's that's the that's that's the best thing that could have happened in that situation right but however when we're talking about god's will and we're talking about well because he prayed did this happen etc we have to understand that god's will is not linear now, what do I mean by God's will is not linear? It means that God's will um, has absolutes. So is it God's will for all of us to be saved? Absolutely, right? The, the avenue in which we all need to, be, um, need to be saved, some things are set in stone and some things aren't. And so God will allow, there is space within his will for, um, for both our choices and our prayer. So, for example, God could have, in this example with Hezekiah, if he hadn't prayed, Hezekiah would have died. But because Hezekiah prayed, 
and it says it in the text it says i have heard your prayer i have seen your tears so therefore i am going to heal you which suggests that if he hadn't prayed and if he hadn't done that then he wouldn't have healed him and so there is prayer absolutely changes things big and small prayers absolutely changes things but and it's not because god's will isn't sovereign but it's because god's will is um not linear isn't there's not one route to say this this is how it has to be hezekiah has to die right now or, or my will is not going to be complete there is space there is there is um there is space within god's will for him to change certain things if need be right according to our prayers however our prayers the put the power of prayer the change of prayer is faith there's there's places in the new testament where jesus went to a certain town and couldn't do any miracles not because he didn't do his morning Bible study or his morning prayer with God or he wasn't connected to the Holy Spirit at that time, but because the, the people who needed the miracles didn't have any faith. And so God is restricted in terms of how much he can work in our lives through the amount of faith we, we pray with. And prayer is an action word. So Hezekiah, even though God said he will heal him, Hezekiah still had to do actions. Um, he still had to put... Um, figs on his sore for it to heal him if he had just said no, no, no i'm not believing in that he still wouldn't have been healed even though it was within god's will to heal him right and then the last the last part of this is um is prayer um okay yeah go ahead daniel before i go Oh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, I like um, the point that you said there, especially um, like God, yeah, God is in a sense restricted by the amount he can do in our lives, you know, because of the amount, according to the amount that we pray and have faith. Um, it's almost like, it's like, obviously, when you, there's basically two people fighting inside of us for our soul. And obviously that's God and, you know, that's the devil, right? And literally whoever we spend t- more time with, is whoever, um, yeah, whoever is going to win the battle and ultimately win the war. And it's like, there's times when, let's say, I haven't maybe haven't prayed as much and I've just kind of been a bit, you know, nonchalant with my spiritual life. In those times, like, that's when, of course, the de- it seems like the devil is so strong. But then when I've been praying, like, routinely and, you know, in my Bible, it seems like the devil can't touch me because who am I spending more time with kind of thing. So, yeah, I just wanted to throw that in. All right. Um, thanks for that. Okay, so the last point really is really um, the biggest point of this study. Um, because it's all been quite um, theologically kind of interesting and it's been a great discussion. But ultimately, I think none of us would have walked away from here thinking we shouldn't pray. Or at least I hope none of us would, would have walked away with that. We should always pray, right? However, there's this idea that um, that what was the if God is omniscient, so God knew this whole situation with Hezekiah was going to happen. He knew he was going to get 15 more years of life. So if God knew he was going to get 15 years more of life, God knew um, that if he said that he was going to die, Hezekiah would pray, um, he would cry, God would have pity on him, and he would give him 15 more years. Um, he would go through what he needed to do in terms of healing himself, and he would get 15 more years. 
why did God go through that uh, that whole thing? Why didn't God just heal him straight away? That why did God go through this whole process with him if he knew all of this was going to happen anyway? Um, Kai, and then I don't, I'm not sure if Daniel kept his hand up or not, but yeah. I, I feel like it's for the same reasons that we were saying before, like, because God requires relationship with you. He requires, God gave us free will for a reason. Like he requires your, your need or your want of him. If that makes sense. Like, I'm not going to lie. I'm the type of person, if you don't tell me you want me or you need me, I'm definitely just going to pretend like I don't know. Even if I do, like I, I'll just, I don't know that you want me because you never said, do you get what I mean? Mm. So in the same way, but obviously <laughs> less rash. I feel like God just, I hear you, I hear like he wants you to want to reach out to him and say, I, I need you. I want you. I, I don't want to walk this by myself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Um, let me rephrase this question a different way, right? Um, Hezekiah was about to die. Hezekiah was about to die. And God saved his life. God, Hezekiah didn't have to get sick. God could have stopped that from getting sick already from, from time ago. But because of... Um, whatever sin is in the world and because you know whatever the reasons were for Hezekiah getting sick he got sick why did God not just heal him then why did he go through this process and part of it yes as Kai said is because he wanted that relationship with um with Hezekiah to grow but there was a deeper reason is it so that let's say how many how many more years did he give him 15 years is it so that at the end of the 15 years or, you know, at the end of his life or whatever, he looks back and he remembers God kind of thing. Like, remembers that that part of, you know, that relationship, that moment. Um, is it more, yeah, is it... Is it's it actually it's more immediate than that. It's more immediate than that. Tawanda, go ahead. Okay, okay. Um, this, whole day, this whole idea of building a relationship, I feel like it extends to this. Um, but you need to delve deeper into what it means to build a relationship. You don't build a relationship simply by um, being. It's simply, oh, it's, it's more to do with the experience rather than, oh, time is obviously a key, but experience, I feel, is even more of a key. And when it comes to our Christian journey, we know that we are to be tried by fire, to be tempered like a, like a metal in the furnace. Um, and if God just gave the way that he wants to give, um, even if you look like human examples, when you have a rich father, um, they just kind of naturally spoil their kids, even without a second thought. God has the full ability to do that, to bless all of us with eternal life, to bless all of us with uh, Samson-like strength and Solomon's wisdom. We could all have the same ability because God has the power to give like that. But if he did, then we'd all just have and we wouldn't grow with God. We wouldn't grow in experience and grow our relationship with him. Um, if you look at Lucifer, for example, he had everything. He was the highest of all angels. He had all that he could. And he then formulated a pride in himself. Even though God had given him what he had, he then had, he, he transformed that into his own pride. And then he had his fall. Uh, in the situation with Hezekiah, 
um, if God just gave, sure enough, Hezekiah would have—he uh, could have been—he would have been fine. Uh, he would have been carried on, but he wouldn't have truly known and understood how God was really there for him. Um, and I also wanted to tie into the previous point that was being made um, in changing God's mind uh, with prayer. I don't feel like it's exactly changing God's mind, as you were saying. You can't change God's mind. But we also know that God comes down to our level. Um, mm. Something we were looking at recently as well was the, um, the situation of uh, Jesus in the boat with the disciples and the, the storm raging through. Um, God never intended to, um, to, to stop the storm. That wasn't God's plan. He was, Jesus was asleep, just chilling, you know, because he knew everything was calm. But the disciples, they didn't have that same rigor and faith. If they had that faith that Jesus had at that time, then they would have been relaxed as he was. But they didn't have that faith. So Jesus then had to wake up and then calm the storm. Not, that was that, not because that was his intention from the beginning, but because he had to go down to where the disciples were and show them an example. And once they saw Jesus do that, that's another time their relationship grew. There are so many cases of that happening throughout the Bible. That was just one of them. But I feel like um, it's that he, you have to go and ask because if there's a problem that you're going through and then miraculously it's resolved, you're, you're happy, sure, but then you don't bring God into the equation. You kind of, um, you take it as your own kind of blessing rather than a blessing mm. that God gave you. So I feel like that's the purpose of us having to pray, having to reach out to him because us reaching out to him shows us where our blessings are coming from rather than our blessings just falling on our lap. For sure, for sure. Great. Um, Ruben? I agree with that point that Tonda just made. Um, the idea that we have an opportunity to learn dependency um, when we're in situations where our backs up are up against the wall. As both of you said, you know, this is a situation that God could have just quelled it from the beginning. But the reality is that, you know, we live in a world where we're free and we've got free choice, but having freedom to make good choices and to live is also having freedom to make bad choices and to die, isn't it? Um, uh, one verse that kind of came to mind in just while everyone else was having this discussion is um, the verse with uh, Abraham, uh, Romans 4, verse 3. And it says, well, what, does this, what does the Bible say? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So, you know, I think people have been alluding to this already that um, this whole experience was something that allowed Hezekiah to bring that faith to God's doorstep and to then have. A new experience with God, you know, I mean, none of it was a mistake. And, you know, when he's come through it, he'll realize that there was never any way that God was going to drop him. And whether that means that he was going to die or whatever it is, there was no way that he ever left the father's hands. But now having come through that, he's seen how much he was held. So it's, yeah. Great, great. Um, last couple of points, Maz. Um, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it is kind of similar to what people have been saying, but also um, for God has so much love to give. Um, and for us to accept it, for us to receive it, I feel like us being as we are, we do have to go through the hard times. Um, and like the, even like me, the times that I feel most loved by God is when he's helped me through a struggle. And unfortunately, when times are going well, 
it's difficult for me to notice or feel the love of God as well. So I think it's also that desire of God just wants, God always wants to show you and reassure you that he loves you. And these could be other examples where he's doing that. Cool, cool. Great. Um, Kai, last point. Um, It was just to add on, I think it's like building foundations must be done by um, the individual's hand. So while God could have stopped him being sick, God could have never allowed him to get sick. Even like what Maz just said, it's like a lot of things you don't notice when everything's all gravy, when everything's going well and everything's good. You're not exactly in a place where you're humble enough to reflect or really take a step back and um, just evaluate what is going on. But when you're at your lows, and especially with illness, you're put in a position most times when you're like really ill. I can only speak from my personal experience, but when I'm really ill, I can't move out of my bed. I can't get up. I can barely open my eyes. And... I don't want to really talk. And the only thing I can do is in, is like talk in my head. And obviously no human can hear that, but God can. So sometimes it takes me getting to that lowest point in order for me to even like start to put the foundational pieces of a relationship with God or a conversation with God together so that I can be restored or heal from it. So... I think cool. that good, good point, right? Um, thanks for the all the contributions. Um, and this is the last point I make before we close. We find the purpose of um, Hezekiah's healing above all of that we said in verse six, um, and it says, "And I will add unto your de- your days the fifteen years, and I will deliver thee out of the um, this city, um, out of the hand of the Syria." and I will defend the city um, for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. And for me, this means that how this um, hits to us is that we are all dying, right? Spiritually, um, since without God interfering, we're all dying. Our base level is death. Sin equals death. And so when we pray to God, and hopefully we pray to God similarly to how um, to how Hezekiah prayed, right? With faith, with 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 um, relationship, with tears. We go to God. We ask forgiveness, and God gives us life, right? Free life He gives us. However, after that life, there is now a responsibility to 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 doubt to now exercise your new life for, for, for him. Hezekiah wasn't just supposed to live, but he was supposed to live so that he could solidify the kingdom, take away Assyria, um, and do it for, for his sake and for, for God's glory and for, uh, for the sake of David, right? That was his new mission. Now he was alive for the next 15 years. What is our mission? What is your mission now that God has given you a new life? You've asked God for forgiveness for whatever sin that was in your life. You've got this new lease of, of spiritual life. Um, there is now a mission. There's now an action. It's not just 
now okay cool me and god are good now let me wait till i next in there is now a responsibility that that um life that god gives us needs to be used for and so um that is really the purpose of of god not saving god god could have never given hezekiah the sickness but in God, in Hezekiah getting the sickness, about to die, and God saving him from that death, which he would have got if he hadn't prayed, God said, okay, I'm going to save you, but it means that now we're going to have to go to work. And he says that to all of us. Let's go to work now. But it's whether we accept that. And we see Hezekiah didn't really, didn't really do a good job with that next 15 years. But that is what God is asking for us when he gives us that healing. When he heals you from your sickness, it's not for you to go back to eating the same stuff or or doing the same things or living a certain way. Your testimony should be then used for others to be saved. That is what we're called to when, we, when we're called to witness. That is what that witness is. God saved me. I'm witnessing of God saving me. Right? But if you haven't been saved or you keep that to, to yourself, then what, what, what good was it? True that, true that. Ruben, your hands are up. No? Okay. I'm sorry, I yeah. have a thing for not putting it down. My bad. Okay, cool, cool. All right, is there any other points before we close? Because I, I noticed we're quite fast four. And was there any other questions as well? Because I know we, we kind of went through quite a lot of different things. I think it does, I think we pretty much answered it, but I guess it's the same thing with um, how God intervenes like seemingly quicker in some instances in the Bible and in our lives and seemingly slower in other instances. I guess it's the same same principle, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. I mean, put it this way, right? Um, when it comes to God intervening and trusting, when I say it's that... The, there is no answer for it it's because to know we can't know God's mind. Of course, we yeah. don't know what God knows. God answers. I, I heard someone, um, a, a, a pastor, say, "God answers our prayers as if we prayed, knowing what He knows." And so, um, so God will always okay. look for the best mm. in every situation, according to. That's why when we pray, we say, "According to Your will," because we don't know what God knows, right? So, if we're praying for someone's mm-hmm. sick to be sick became well and and, um hannah was talking about um life and death scenarios praying for life and death scenarios it is possible that you could pray for someone and you're faithful and you're you're um you're connected with god and the person still dies Mm, that happens with john that happened with john the baptist john the baptist Mm. got beheaded he was in prison then he got beheaded and that doesn't mean that right. God is all of a sudden not good anymore. Or Exactly. Like, it's not to say yeah. God every time has to um, save his people because as we know God's will, there is, there's a purpose. There's a reason. All of the disciples became martyrs. Understand? All of them. Apart from John. Apart from John who wrote Revelation, I believe, right? They're all, they were all killed. So don't get me wrong. It's not about... Um, it's not to say, uh, you know, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's so true, but that doesn't mean it avails everything. God's will is still supreme. 
However, that yeah, does not mean the prayer does not work. And I there just so, add to that God as well. Way, there were oh. so much more scenarios where someone didn't pray or didn't have enough faith so that God couldn't act versus the other way around where they prayed with so much faith and God didn't act because it wasn't within his will. Mm. And so the responsibility for us, if we like, is to accept, yeah, if something is not in God's will, you've got to accept that. And, and, and that's with small things as well as big things. But there is so mm. much room within God's will for him to glorify himself. God is, God is looking for ways to for him to be glorified in our life all the time. And so if he, if he can do that, he will do that. If we have the faith and if we pray, he can't do it if we don't ask. There's a passage that says, um, that talks about God giving us the Holy Spirit. And he says, well, some don't get it because they don't ask for it. And some who ask for it don't get it because they ask amiss. I see. And so the, those are the two foundations of prayer, as well as, you know, what I talked about in terms of relationship. Mm. Just to, you uh, unmuted your oh, mic like you were going to say something. No, I was literally just thinking of this, 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 um, this idea. Well, not even this idea, this fact that it's us living our lives and it's Nathan going on with whatever sinful foolishness he's doing, but in the in the background of that, there's a good God. And when I say that, I'm just saying that to say that uh, obviously God doesn't change and God's goodness doesn't change. And so this obviously, um, this, is, this is salvation. The fact that whatever foolishness I've done, the fact that there's still a good God. And so when we pray, it's a madness when God's people actually pray with the knowledge that God is good. Because I think, I think that's when you actually learn to pray at the end of every prayer, but you will be done because you know that God's will is not bad. Do you get me? And you know that even when, you know, it's like even that quote that Tawanda has just put in the chat, when, oh, if we're called to bereavement, let us remember that it's God that is taking us through that bereavement and all of that. That doesn't mean it's easy, but just this idea that God is good and God will, won't stop being good, regardless of what comes upon. I think it gives a power, and I say a power, as in like, it gives a breath effective faith to your prayer when you're praying, knowing that God is good and that God won't actually do you wrong. Because you know that even though I'm praying for this, whatever the outcome, you know that thing where you can just like literally relax in God's will, because you know that it's coming from a place of love. But the one thing I'll say on top of that is it requires us to actually have a relationship with God enough that we know that God is good. For sure, for sure. Daniel, you're going to say something? Um, yeah, uh, I was I was going to say the real faith is in like believing that no, literally like Nathan basically said, like no matter what happens, like God literally, he still is good. He still is the same. Um I went through an instance last year where I prayed and I fasted for this thing. If I'll just say it real quick, basically I was about to get promoted in my job and like it was looking sweet, it was looking nice. I even I fasted and prayed for it and like literally everything was just setting up so nicely in my mind. I was thinking this is definitely God, like it just has to be. And then at the last second, it all just fell apart. 
and I, I lost my job altogether. And I was like, literally, I was confused. I like, it was, it was a mad, it was a mad moment. And it wasn't until, <laughs> funnily enough, it wasn't actually until this week that I really understood like what faith actually is. Sometimes we'll pray for things that we think even God wants us to have. And the, uh, the point really isn't what we, what we know. Cause, because the thing is like, like we said, like you said, we don't know what God knows. Our thoughts are not, our thoughts are not his thoughts. You see what I'm saying? We don't know how, how he specifically works. You know, he's up there, you know, we're down here in a sense, obviously he's, he's, he is with us, but you get what I'm trying to say. And, um, and it wasn't until I realized that, do you know what? God is, God is actually still good regardless. Um, I don't, like, I can't see, we can't see what he's doing, but the fact is that God is still good. That literally doesn't change. And of course, I'm not saying it's easy at the time when certain, when our, our expectations um, don't get met. And I think even then that's, that's actually where most of the problem lies. But um, yeah, um, that's, that's the real faith, you know, no matter what we pray for, um, you know, as we're praying for his will, that's, that's where the peace comes, you know, that no matter what happens, whether it, whether our expectations get met and exceeded or whether they um, don't get met at all, or whether God just stays silent, like, like we will be okay. You see what I'm saying? So, yeah. yeah. Um, just the last thing I'll say, and I think Kai has one more thing to say as well. Um, even if um, those areas, like in our prayer life, where we didn't pray for something, or we didn't have faith for something, or we didn't make the right decision, or whatever the case is. And I think um, Ruben may have said something along these same lines earlier. That doesn't mean God doesn't have a plan. When we talk about God's, God's omniscience and God knows everything, it means he knew that that was going to happen. And so he is almost, <laughs> he's got another plan for, to, to get you back again. And you will keep on doing that until your heart is hard. So it's not to say um, like, oh, I didn't have, I prayed for something, I didn't have faith and it didn't happen. So therefore that whole situation is messed up. God is so gracious and so merciful to us that he will allow something else to happen to give you another opportunity. And he'll give you another opportunity. And there will be continuous opportunities throughout our lives in which God is trying to reach us. God is trying to get, um, allow us to have more faith. God is trying to build this relationship with us. He's trying to build your trust over and over and over and over again. Um, and that is that is the life that we live because he is, he is so gracious. He's so merciful. He's so knowing about every situation. That he's just everything that's within his whole web of knowledge and his whole web of, of, of reality. He's just time and time again given us opportunity to try and do what Hezekiah did. Um, yeah, Kaya, go ahead. Be the last person. I just, I just think there's sometimes now. Um, I wrote in the chat and someone saw, so I just wanted to expand on it. Like when I was younger, my mom's mother passed away, and I actually knew my grandma. Like I had a relationship with her, and I basically watched her die at a young age. And I remember as a child, I used to pray and I was like, God, just like, just heal my grandma in it, like it's it'll be fine because then she'll be able to be here for her children and my mom's not going to cry because my mom's like the oldest of her siblings and she isn't going to be like in any more pain than she already is and so on and so forth 
I remember I was coming back from church and it was like watching a movie because I got inside of the car and everyone was outside playing and happy in, on the, in the car park of like the front of the church. And I closed the door and my dad was telling me that basically my grandma passed and we're going to the house. And it started raining and I just, everything in my mind went silent and it was really cinematic. And I'm never going to forget that Midge and my brain could not comprehend why God didn't answer my prayer back then. But like now, a good few years on, I just, it, it sparked two things in me. It sparked a thing of, I'm no longer going to pray for someone to live or die because that's in God's hands and it always has been. So I just pray for God's will when it comes to those situations. It doesn't mean I won't pray for like things that I want or require or need or won't have conversations like that. But some things I just, I have to just say, Lord, let your will be done in this situation. Even sometimes when people say, oh, can you pray for this sister or that sister to get well? I'm not going to pray for that, but I'll tell you, I'll pray for God's will to be done in your life because you never know the impact that a person's being or not being is going to make on the rest of the entire world. And I can say for my grandma passing, the amount of people who knew her, who now are exploring a life with Christ. I can't, I, I don't want to say it's cause of my grandma passing, but I know a lot of people wouldn't have been in the church that day and heard the sermon that was preached and then asked the questions that they asked and gone the path that they went had she still been alive. So for me, I just have to just continuously believe like, obviously God knows every outcome. So sometimes our prayers are needed more to strengthen ourselves. Mm. Than more than anything else in those kind of cases. But I just wanted to expand slash share that. No, thank you for sharing, for sure. That's a, that's a nice thing to end on, actually. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Um, is that... Uh... Daniel, yeah. Daniel, could you pray for us to close, please? Me, yeah. Yeah. Um, dear Lord, thank you so much um, for this study that we just had. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that um, impresses upon us um, to ask questions and to discuss certain things so that we can um, understand you better and also understand uh, the need for a relationship with you. I pray that we will all go away. Um, strengthened by this and that each and every one of our prayer lives will um, be stronger and will be fervent um, and that no matter what happens, no matter what we may pray for, um, I pray that our faith uh, will be strengthened by um, each outcome um, and never shaken. So I pray in your name. Amen. 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 Thanks for joining everybody. Really good study today. Yeah, man. Yeah, Thank you, bro. Nice, it's been blessed. Enjoy the discussion.